Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, timeless wisdom to enrich every day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, August 25th. One way to handle pain and sorrow is to visualize your consciousness expanding in all directions. If, for instance, you are in a dentist's chair, say to yourself, what happens to this body can touch only a tiny point in the vast reality of my true self. Well, Swamiji takes us in and out of the old dentist chair, doesn't he? <laughs> Really, I lived with this. I lived with Swami for 45 years. And we went in and out of the dentist chair really often. All of us, every time he went to the dentist, which as I mentioned in the, when this subject came up before, he had a lot of trouble with his teeth because of his childhood in Romania when he was under, uh, under-calciumed and the dental care was not um, up to snuff. And as a consequence, as an adult, he had trouble. So he often had to go to the dentist. And he often had to have these complicated procedures. So we all, and Swami wasn't showing off by any means. It was just a fact of life. He would go to the dentist and he wouldn't take Novocaine. And if you happen to have heard that he had a root canal or had a tooth extracted or a cap put on or whatever the multitude of things are that happen, you would know that he hadn't taken Novocaine because he didn't. (laughs) And then you'd have to go through it again. I thought it was wonderful because... I would just have to go through it again. I would have to ask myself whether I had anything resembling the courage to try it. I would have to tell myself once again that no, I didn't. And then I would have to be brave where I could be brave. So Swamiji has said to us in earlier um, suggestions, in I believe in this month or previous months, I don't remember now, he talks about distracting yourself by writing music or writing books. If you don't happen to write music or write books, then... You have to find something else to distract yourself with. So here he gives us another idea. If you're sitting in the dentist chair, expand your reality. Now, I've actually thought of that, te- that technique really often, more in, in dealing with sorrow than with pain. One way to handle pain and sorrow is to, it, it, is to visualize your consciousness expanding in all directions. And this is how I, I think of it, and this is what I've tried to help people to understand the difference between suppressing and transcending. And the difference between suppressing and transcending is an extremely important point in life, and it's especially important on the path to self-realization. Because the path to self-realization, we're trying to come to this point of equanimity in the face of the up and down waves of life. So one way to have equanimity in the face of the waves is to stiffen yourself and hold yourself like this so that no matter what happens, you're not changed. But look at all the energy that has to be used to hold yourself like that. And ultimately, it's unsustainable. And the other way to do it is to say, I'm not bothered. I'm not bothered. I'm not angry. I'm not afraid. Swamiji said to me once, you, you, you try to look good. <laughs> He said to me, you try to look good, so you tell me what you think is the right answer. He said, but you never fooled me. That's what he said. Fortunately, this was early in my spiritual life. 
I said, huh, what a colossal waste of energy. We try to make ourselves right from the outside by trying to decide what it's supposed to be. Or we just, something is too horrible to think about. You know, many very traumatic things happen to people. And, you know, we find ourselves unable to deal with it, so we just push it into the background and pretend it's not there anymore. But it's, it's there. It's just ruling us from the dark. And that which rules us from the dark is, uh, is really dangerous because we have no idea then why we're reacting the way we're reacting. None of that is true spirituality. All of that is the ego's effort to cope, understandable, should be seen with compassion, but ultimately must be rejected because transcendence is something else. So think of it like this. If something dark happens, maybe somebody you love dies. Maybe when you were a child, you were severely mistreated. These things happen. Maybe an accident came and hurt your body in a way you'll never recover from. When we become grief-stricken and distraught, what happens is our whole reality is defined by one event. And you know, you, you, it's, like, it's like you put your hand over your eyes, and when you open your eyes, all you can see is the dark created by your hand covering your eyes. Now the world around you can be going on just as it is, but with your hand over your eyes, no matter how hard you look, all you see is the dark created by the hand over your eyes. And that's perfectly natural if you've been hit by a blow to your heart, to your spirit, to your pride, whatever has, to your wallet, whatever has happened, that is sufficient to, to just take over your awareness. And sometimes, for a time, there's absolutely no choice. You just have to go there. You can't tell a grieving mother whose child has just died, oh, you'll be fine, don't worry about it. It just doesn't help. I accidentally said to a woman who'd faced severe emotional trauma, I accidentally said it. You know, something like, I know you're going to get over this. She just blew up at me. She was enraged with good cause because it wasn't the time to tell her. It wasn't right for me to take my hand and try to pry her hand off her eyes and make her see a larger world. She needed her grief. She needed her time of healing. She had to hide in that position. Now, what happens is, if we don't see it in proper proportion, it, that black spot fills our field of vision. And to transcend something is not to say it isn't black, it didn't happen, it wasn't painful, it wasn't wrong. A friend of mine who was deeply hurt by somebody she trusted was having a very difficult time getting over the hurt. And she came to Swami and she sort of had some I mean, she's on our spiritual path, but she had some like new age ways of thinking. So she came to Swami and said, oh, it was all perfect. Everything happened just as it was supposed to. Swami said, no, it didn't. They behaved very badly and they shouldn't have done it. And he was responding. He said, don't comfort yourself with a lie. It was bad what happened. It shouldn't have happened. They behaved badly and you were very hurt. Don't try to make yourself feel better by saying it wasn't true. It was true. But what you have, we have to do is we have to see it in proportion. Because that's exactly what it is. It's a matter of proportion. If a woman is widowed after 50 years of marriage, it's naturally going to be a very hard blow. But proportion is, we had 50 wonderful years together. Proportion is, nobody lives forever. 
Proportion is likelihood one of us was going to be left without the other. If it hadn't been me, it would have been him. Now, this is not saying in any way that the loss is less heartbreaking or that the loneliness is less acute. All of those things are true, but we take the the hand off of our eyes and, and let's say the palm of the hand is still black, but if you hold the the, the palm out at, at arm's length, or if you put the palm print on the wall, it's still as black as it ever was. But even as you stare right at it, you see that there's a lot of other reality going on. So when we transcend something, it's not that we say it didn't happen or it wasn't awful. It's not that we say that my heart wasn't broken. It's not that we say my heart doesn't bear a permanent scar. You know, there's wonderful poetic ways of saying it. Wherever the jar is broken, that's where the light can come in. And these are beautiful ways of saying it, and they're true ways of saying it. We don't have to deny anything about our experience. To transcend it is to see it in proportion. You know, yes, I suffered deeply. And no, I'm not the first person in the world to ever have suffered, suffered, nor will I be the last. And what have I learned from suffering? And what of what I learned can I offer to others? There's a famous story in the life of the Buddha. How a woman came to him and she was carrying the corpse of her baby. And her son, her only son, had died. And she was heartbroken and she carried the body to the Buddha and wanted him to bring the child back to life. And the Buddha said, oh, I can bring the child back to life, but I'll need some oil. And he mentioned just a very ordinary household oil, which everyone had. So I just need some oil. So the woman is, she's being thrilled. Oh, but you have to borrow it from someone in your town whose home has never been touched by death. So the woman goes house to house to house to house in her village ask them for oil so that the Buddha can resurrect her son. Everybody's happy, but oh, has this household been touched by death? Well, yes, of course, one of my servants died. Yes, my husband died. Yes, my father-in-law died last year. Alas, I too have lost a son. It just, every household, death had touched the house. And of course, by the end of it, the real healing that the Buddha was offering her had reached her. Yes, she had lost her son, but such is the nature of life. So we have a choice, which is if... I remember once when I was grief-stricken about something, and what I was grief-stricken about, I realized, is that something beautiful that had existed for a time and had been a lovely part of my life was gone forever because people and circumstances had shifted and no amount of wishing or praying on my part was ever going to reverse time and put us back to where we had been when everything was lovely. It just wasn't going to happen. And I realized that if I allow myself to weep over that which is gone forever and there is no hope of it returning, I will have to weep for the rest of my life. So it became a very simple question do I really want to weep for the rest of my life? And what is the value 
of weeping over that which is. It's like, like wh- who, who, am I, who am I serving? What am I trying to prove? What is my understanding of life? That just, I, I live in emotional rebellion against real, reality as it, as it has been presented to me. It shifts from, what are you doing to me, God? To, Why, what are you doing, God? And, and that, that inquiry then begins to begin to see it in larger proportion. And strangely, every negative also has a positive. There's always something to be learned. If nothing else, grief tends to soften us. And whereas we can be a little bit hard toward other people's suffering, when we've had enough suffering ourselves, we're not anymore. Our entire way of being. Swami was so so strong in himself and so compassionate to others. He had so much kindness toward people suffering. He was never indifferent to it. He would, he would stand by people through necessary suffering. And he wouldn't always over-sympathize is the word I want to use. Um, but he was so compassionate, just so deeply compassionate. Because in, in this life and in other lives he'd suffered. So that's what he's saying. One way to deal with pain and sorrow. Now the dentist chair is how Swami put it. He put it very specifically. It's true of physical pain too. It, what makes us, us hurt so much is that we're so deeply identified inside this body. But if we can see the body lying on the bed and the bed sitting in the room, and the room sitting in the building, the building sitting in the city, the city sitting on the planet, and then there's this little tiny spark there, which happens to be my body, which is very, very uncomfortable. Nonetheless, it's uncomfortable in this huge consciousness, and then we're not blinded by our unique experience and unable to see it in context. With all my heart, I urge you to consider this carefully, because that is where transcendence comes from. Oh yes, it happened, but I don't have to worship it, and I don't have to live in it anymore. It just becomes part of the lines, lines on my face, the marks in my heart, and who I am before God. One way to handle pain and sorrow is to visualize your consciousness expanding in all directions. If, for instance, you are in a dentist chair, say to yourself, what happens to this body can touch only a tiny point in the vast reality of my true self. God bless you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.